This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey everyone, this is Jessica Kupferman. Welcome to She Podcast. This is very special episode. You see, I had a horrible cold at the beginning of this week and I was completely unable to record. I mean, I guess I could have, but I also would have blown out your eardrums with lots of disgusting noises. So what we're doing is we're sharing with you a recent Q&A that Elsie did in the Super Squad. So the Super Squad is our VIP group, $5 a month through Patreon. You get personal access to me and Elsie we each do a Q&A every other week. You can ask any questions you want. We take all the time you need to answer um, and you get to collaborate with one another as well. So if you want to sign up, go to ShePodcast.com forward slash Patreon. This is what Elsie's talking about in the QA. On-site interview questions, best equipment and setup and how to record multiple guests. She's also going to discuss how to coach a guest to be interviewed remotely on your show and an easy, low-tech way to get guests to record themselves as a backup, or aka what we call a double-ender. It's not as dirty as you think it is. Next week, we are going to have a new sponsor, TubeBuddy. If you want to check them out, TubeBuddy.com. I'm really excited about their service. Basically, TubeBuddy is an online software that helps you by integrating directly into your YouTube, and it helps you run your YouTube channel. So you can manage your videos, you can optimize them, you can grow your channel. So sign up for an account, TubeBuddy.com, if there's anywhere to tell them where you got the name, because we don't have a promo code or a link yet, because they're brand new. Just, you know, tell them Jess sent you. Hello, friends. I am here for you. I've got some questions here from Karen, and I'm just going to go through them. All right, so she asked... On-site interview questions, best equipment and setup, how to record multiple guests. For example, where should they sit alongside each other? How far apart around a table across from you or next to you? Proper mic technique for all. How can you sound treat the space to reduce echo? Okay, so I have a couple of different setups that I put together here to get you guys going. And I'm going to start with the minimum and I'm going to kind of add a little bit more as we go through. The minimum setup, and this is what I suggest, is having a Zoom H6. It's a digital recorder that has four XLR outs. And those, when I say the XLR outs, it means that you can connect four separate microphones like the one that I have in front of me right now into that little device. And the little device, it's about this big. It's kind of like as big as my hand and a little thick, okay? The Zoom H6, and then you need to invest in however many microphones you need per person, right? So this is, that would be like, obviously, if you have three people, then you would need to have three of these microphones that I have in front of me, that kind of stuff. So I suggest three separate types of mics, the Samsung Q2U, which is what I'm using right now, or the ATR2100. Those are the lower end 
dynamic microphones that work the best, particularly for carrying them around. And so again, I'm really focusing in here on mobile. You're carrying these things around. They are very sturdy. They're a little bit on the lower end. So they start, I think that the ATR2100 is at around $70. The Q2U is around $60 each, but they do go on sale for $40 each. If you want to level it up just a little bit, you can get Shure SM58s. Those are, again, a very good microphone for this kind of mobile setup where they are sturdy if they fall down. Like there's lots of really wonderful things about this, these three separate microphones that I've mentioned that are great for travel, great for longevity, and they're also all dynamic microphones. And they can really adjust to the environment that you have especially when it's not particularly great for audio quality, right? The Shure SM58s are $99 each, so they are a little bit of a level up. So that's the minimum that you need, uh, including, sorry, one last thing. You need to have you, Karen, or whoever's running this. And yes, as you can see, I will add all of these things are going to be put inside of the description afterwards with links and all of that stuff. So, you do need to have a headphone to monitor. So at least you, whoever's running the show, needs to have headphones to monitor the sounds. Okay, so once you set it all out, you put it in the middle of the table, the little, you know, or next to you so that you can watch the levels because the H6 has a little thingy on there where you can like fix everybody's microphone and you can put their levels up or down and you can watch the levels from there. But you need to be able to monitor at least what you're hearing from everybody else. Okay, so that's the minimum that you need to have in there. And links will, I will put links after all of this. So minimum plus, minimum plus, I'm adding just a tiny little bit more here. Minimum plus is essentially everything that I just mentioned, all of those other things. Then you need to have a five-way multi-headphone audio splitter connector. Okay, or it doesn't necessarily need to be five, but the reason that I'm saying five is because since the H6 has the possibility to have four separate microphones in there, it would be great if you use this little splitter, which literally just goes inside of where you would put like the headphone jack, right? So the headphone jack is here. I don't know. Let me see if you guys can see this here. So yeah. So you see the headphone jack is like sticking into the bottom part of this microphone. So when you have the H6, you can stick the headphone jack inside of the H6. But that means that only you can hear yourself in the ears. So what I'm asking you got you to do here is to get that little splitter so that you could stick it into the H6. And then everybody can hear themselves in their ears. Because I find this to be incredibly important. People tend to not understand what it is when they are on mic or when they're not on mic. And one of the best ways to do that is for them to hear themselves in their ears so they'll understand when they're getting a little bit too close to the mic or when they're moving too far away from the mic or when there's external noises or anything like that. So you can definitely hear that kind of stuff. All right. So that is leveling it up a little bit more. One thing that I forgot to tell you that you also need in minimum is you need XLR cables. I forgot to add that to the mix. So minimum, let me, let, let's talk about it again. The uh, Zoom H6. So you need a digital recorder that you can support XLR microphones into. And you can either have the Samsung Q2U, the ATR2100, or Shure SM58s. 
Those three are separate microphones. You don't have to have all of them, but you do need to choose to have more than just one of those things. You need XLR cables because you have to connect the microphones into the H6. Okay, so minimum plus, we're adding all of that, but we're adding a five multi-headphone audio splitter to the mix so everybody could monitor themselves and mic stands in case they don't come with it. So here is, this is the little mic stand that I have that comes with the Samsung Q2U. Unfortunately, the only thing that kind of really, that is not so perfect about this is that there's no way to adjust this so that it goes into the right direction. And so look at what I had to do this time for, I'm just going to move this down so you can see. I essentially have two really fat books that I found in this bookshelf and I just put them one on top of each other so that it really rises the microphone up. So you might find that for some people, the microphone is a little bit too far away from their mouths and you have no way to adjust. So when that there comes a um, sort of like a, a little headphone stand, uh, sorry, a microphone stand with the thing, you obviously it's not the best only because it's a little plastic thing and they have to like package it together and it does its job, but you might have to adjust it. That said, I'm going to give you a link to a microphone stand that I just found that I think I'm just going to, I'm going to buy on my own as well. That is a little desktop stand, really minimal in how much space it takes up. And it just has the ability to get a little bit taller. And I think that that was going to be really helpful. So I don't have to be using extra things and putting them on my desk like this and like, kind of like putting something underneath. I usually use yoga blocks underneath my microphone to lift it up because that's really thick and dense and I kind of will will do that. So yeah, and using books underneath it, especially big fat books totally works. But hey, if you want, if you can do it just with one thing, it would be awesome. So microphone stands are extra in minimum plus. And so one of the reasons that I didn't add it to the minimum is because in a pinch, and we've done this before, so we I've done this exact setup. I recorded an episode of, maybe I'll, if I can find it, I recorded an episode of the feed and I took my Zoom H6, exactly what I'm doing here. We had Rob Greenlee, Rob Walsh, and Dave Jackson in a hotel room with me. So we were all like seated on the side where there were like a couple of chairs and the table was really low. So even if, you know, because it's not like a table table. And so we all sat like, I think... I sat on chairs and then Rob sat on like a an ottoman and then Rob Greenlee sat on the bed and everybody was holding their microphones and we were all using the Samsung Q2Us and we were monitoring ourselves by putting the headphone jack inside of the microphone and that's how we recorded. That said, we know how to use it so that we don't mess up too much. When you have somebody who's not very used to using a microphone, they might move around a little bit too much and you might get a little bit more uh, hand noise from the microphone. So the Samsung Q2U and the Shure SM58s have the best handling noise, meaning they don't have too much. The ATR2100 is a little bit more, that picks up a little bit more noise when you hold on to the body of the microphone. Yeah. So in terms of that kind of stuff, that's what happens with it. So those are the minimum things. Having the extra would be adding the Rodecaster Pro to the mix. That's more money for that one, right? So that's $599 for the Rodecaster Pro 
same setup for the microphones, same XLR cables. The one thing that you are going to have to add to that is going to be a one quarter to one eighth headphone adapter. Okay. All of this is going to be, I'm going to paste all of this information into the description of this uh, broadcast. So why do you need the one quarter to one eighth headphone adapter? Because most of us, I would say everybody that's watching maybe possibly right now, or at least in our houses have headphones, right? With a cord, but we only have the one eighth inch, meaning that it's that skinny. It's the skinny one that goes inside of the older iPhones or almost any device, you can actually stick it in there. But the Rodecaster Pro has the ability for everybody to have headphones, but the hole is way bigger for the jack, the headphone jack. So you need to have a little splitter. It's kind of like putting a coat on the skinny in the skinny one and it makes it fatter and then you can stick it into the back of the Rodecaster Pro. Those are super, super inexpensive. And I bought like a set of five and I have them in my little box where I have my Rodecaster Pro. And then that way, everybody can bring their own headphones and then they can stick it inside of the Rodecaster Pro. Okay. So XLR cables, you still need to have that and everybody can have their own headphones. And again, having a, a stand. So that would be like up leveling a little bit more. The Rodecaster Pro is obviously not as mobile. It's so much easier to carry the H6 with you everywhere. Like if you're packing or something like that. It's so much easier to carry that. If you have the Roadcaster Pro, for sure, you're going to have to stick it. I don't know if you're traveling like on airplanes or anything like that, then you would probably have to check it and it's going to have its own bag or, or something along those lines. But if you are like recording in person locally, you could just stick it into the trunk of your car, take it out and put it up. It's really not that heavy. So you can do something like that and drag it around. But it depends on what kind of setup you want to have for all of the things, right? Okay, so yeah, the ATR2-2005 also might have some handling noise, but also it depends, Bonnie, because I think what tends to happen with a lot of these microphones, people, is that they're designed differently. You know, maybe it was an older model. Maybe it was a specific batch. Maybe it was, I don't know, insert whatever. You have to really work with what you have and kind of go with the experience. And But I have noticed the difference with the ATR2100. I own one as well. And I have noticed that there's a little bit more noise when I use that one than when I use my Q2U, but it's very, very subtle. It really is up to you and it depends on how you're using it. If you're using it on a tripod, it doesn't really matter because you're not going to be touching it. But if you are not going to have tripods or you're going to have to just be giving people microphones, then might as well either do the Shure SM58 or the Samsung Q2U to do that. Okay. So yeah, I am not a fan of the Blue Yeti, I gotta say, because it it just, you need to take care of it a little bit more. It's a little bit more of a princess, if you will. Like you have to dress it up. Like it's like, you know, it's got to, it, yeah, you just have to learn how to use it a little bit more. And most people don't. And the sound isn't quite as well as it can be given all of that. Yeah. And if you're using it by yourself, Bonnie, yes, correct. There is a little hole in the front of it. But if you have other people to need to monitor themselves, then you do need an adapter. So there is that. Okay, so let's move into the next question that Karen had, which when it comes to sitting. So where should people sit when you are recording in this fashion? I have found that sitting opposite of each other is possibly the best way to sit. So if you have two people having you face to face and kind of sitting opposite of each other, 
or if it's three people trying to sort of space themselves as optimally as possible around, it would be great. The less optimal would be just having somebody right next to you. But, you know, sometimes you don't really have a choice. Like when I recorded that episode, like I said before, in the hotel room, I had somebody sitting right next to me and I had somebody right to the left. Like we were super close. We were literally like in our faces. So sometimes you don't have a choice and you got to deal with what you have to deal with. Uh, regardless, though, I have to say that you will always get bleed. So what is bleed? It tracks for everybody that's on mic. If I'm recording and somebody else is in front of, of me and we're recording together, when I transfer those files to my computer or when I start to edit them, I'm going to have separate files just with that person's voice. But when you get bleed, that means that the other person's file, my co-host or my guest, when I'm speaking is going to have a little bit of my voice recorded on their track. So there's going to be like, if you just listen to that one track, you will be able to hear somebody else talking in their track. Very, very quiet, usually. What I noticed with me, <laughs> and this is hilarious, is that my voice carries, right? <laughs> so especially when I laugh, I tend to have a very loud laugh and I do get excited and enthusiastic. And I found that my voice carries very much in a room. And so my voice was very present in other people's tracks. That happens regardless of where it was. So I actually checked everybody's track and I remembered where everybody was sitting because I recorded both, again, on the H6 and the Roadcaster Pro with four people recording. And I noticed that my voice goes into everybody's track. That's what's called bleed. There's really no way to easily get rid of that in post-production. You kind of have to silence it all manually, essentially. And that's why it takes a little bit longer for me to do stuff uh, whenever I have the four tracks. So regardless, it's still going to be a little bit extra. You don't have to be as anal as I am. Maybe you don't want to be in, as anal as I am and that's okay. And what's really cool about the Roadcaster Pro as well is that it also gives you a master track. So if you don't want to deal with having the fork tracks and fixing them all, but you were really diligent at being able to see everybody's voice was around the same level, everybody sounded great, you're going to have a master track. And if your master track sounds very good and you really don't want to deal with a lot of post-production, you can essentially level that track. And for the most part, you're going to be okay. If you don't mind crosstalk, or maybe there's like one part that you could just really skip certain things that when people stumbled on words and you just want to remove that, then you just have to edit that one track. It's really up to you how much time you want to input into the editing as many of those things. Okay. Let me look at some of the stuff that I, I see on the chat. Uh, somebody said, I like the Blue Yeti, but you do, do have to practically put it in your mouth. Otherwise, you sound like you're across the room. Yeah, you do have to get a little close to it. Okay. You have to be prepared for doing post-production when it comes to sitting next to each other. And also, I think one of the other things, let's move into the room and noise treatment. Okay. And I'm going to also address mic technique as well. So any rooms that have carpet, I think, are always going to be better. So err on wanting to be in a room that is full of carpet. 
Uh, fluffy furniture is possibly one of the best places. Like if it's got a lot of things going on on the outside, it's also going to be great. Like the hotel rooms, hotel rooms are actually fairly decent to record in because they have a lot more stuff. Possibly even sitting on the ground would be really good. But again, it depends on what kind of a thing. Like once in a while, I'll have more people that I really know and we can sit on the ground. But like when I was recording with the guys for the feed, I'm not going to have them like sit on the ground. We can all figure out how to get the best audio given our circumstances, right? Because sometimes the just having really good microphone technique is going to do a lot more than room treatment. That said, I have also recorded in um, uh, boardrooms, which are not necessarily acoustically very good. So given the microphones that I mentioned before, like the dynamic microphones that I mentioned before, they are very good for being able to be really focused on people's voices. So making sure that people are on mic is really important, meaning super close to the microphone. And one of the reasons that I love people monitoring themselves when they're listening is because they will hear in their ears when they're off mic and when they're on mic. And they will also hear if they're popping their peas or if they're whatever, you know, or like if they're moving around too much and then you can start to hear that noise, you need to alert them to, hey, if you are sounding like you're a little bit too far away from your microphone, get in front of your microphone and you just keep helping remind people to keep coming on microphone because you are also monitoring everybody else's audio as well when you're doing this. And that's like the bonus part of it. Unfortunately, you can't really treat rooms when they are everywhere else. What I do tend to see that works very well is just carpet and as much furniture as possible. Sometimes that you can't have that work out, but you know what? You have to deal with what you can. Now we're moving on to Karen's next question. She asked how to remotely coach a client on interviewing. So I'm assuming that this is not a question about coaching somebody on interviewing, but you're helping whoever's on your show how to sound the best that they can when being interviewed. I'm assuming that that's what you're asking. One of the first things that I would do is that at minimum, they are using headphones, even if they don't have a mic and they're using the internal microphone for the computer or something like that. God forbid. It's so much better if they just put headphones on. I mean, even if they just stick them into the microphone, into the jack inside of the computer, it's going to make the sound so much better, even though it's still going to be crappy. So headphones are, it's sort of like the um, non-negotiable. You need to have headphones on. Headphones are so important because they just are. So that's one of the first things. The next thing is to all just to make sure, like when you're with the person that you start to do uh, your whatever in, that they have the proper, they're chosen the proper microphone or that they are on mic. Because what tends to happen with a lot of us when we start to use the computer, one of the first things that we have to choose, whether it is if you're a pro, I mean, not a pro, but like somebody who's been doing this for a long time or you just started, you still have to always check whether or not your microphone is picked. You never know what's going to happen. So make sure it's there. Make sure it's being picked. Do things like, do you hear that? So that people know that that microphone is picked. You have to do that. That's one the, the next thing that you're going to have to guide them to do. So the next thing is to let them know that all external sounds 
will be picked up when you're recording. I know that sounds kind of like, duh, but that's like really important. Meaning if you have jewelry or you have big earrings and like, let's say your guest only has their um, earbuds with the microphone in the earbuds, which is actually a pretty decent microphone or even the Apple AirPods. Those are also really pretty decent microphones that could be used to record a podcast as a guest. I'm not saying for you, as a guest, that is very decent sound. But if they have earrings that are popping in and blopping on them, it's going to create a lot of external noise. Any um, shifting and moving around is also going to take get a lot of external noise. Any bumping of the desk or bumping of the uh, stem of the microphone is going to get external noise. Typing, chair creaking, so making sure that if they're seated in a chair, they're not moving around or that it's a stable chair that they're sitting in that isn't going to be creaking. That's another thing that picks up noise. Writing, papers, all of that stuff picks up noise. So just make sure that they understand that anything that they're doing is going to actually be picked up on the recording. Uh, it is much more important for them to be still when they're talking, less so when they are not talking, because you can take all that stuff out fairly easily. More work for you, but it's no big deal. What sucks is when um, somebody's talking on the microphone and they keep moving around and you it's so much harder to take all that stuff out and that they need to stay on mic. To understand that when they're talking to you, even if they decide to move back and then they're like over here and going like this, it like, you can't hear what they're saying. Like, I didn't hear that or just make sure that you're on microphone. So what I would do is I would have a checklist that you can either share with them the day of the recording that you can go through together and literally just have like a line, like checklist number one. Hey, are you on microphone? Are you wearing headphones? Literally just that kind of stuff. And you help them go through it and you can make sure that you have it so that they can read it. That's what I would do with it. It's really hard to be able to get somebody else to be in the proper place that is optimal for recording. It's hard. So you're going to have to make decisions when it comes to that. I try to tell people that ask me to be on their show, hey, I'm going to do my very best to give you the best audio that I can, but I can't guarantee that I'm going to be in a quiet place. I just can't do that. But I am also aware of the sound that's being picked up. And so I can adjust accordingly. So I'm a little bit better than that. But at least I've heard that there's been times that people are interviewed and they're on their phone and they're walking around as if they're, I just don't understand that people, you guys, we're dealing with audio here. You all need to be like in a static place and you can't be doing other things. All right. So those things. So have a checklist for that. The next question is, what's an easy, low-tech way to get guests to record themselves as a backup, aka a double-ender? So depending on what they have, I have put out a call. I'm going to check in just a moment to see if I, if I got an, an answer for anybody else. But if you are on a Mac and you are recording somebody that's on a Mac, and you know, you're running Zoom or you're running Skype or any of that stuff, they can open QuickTime. QuickTime is already pre-installed inside of all of the Macs. And you essentially, the only thing that you have to say is like, tell them how to open QuickTime because you never know if they know how to do that. Make sure that you help them choose the proper input. 
So if they have an external microphone or whatever, so that you know what's being picked for QuickTime, and that should probably go into systems preferences. And then after that, you just press record and you help them press record and you say, just press record. And then when you're finished, you have to have a reminder for yourself for them to stop and save the file. You can even tell them what to call it because I find for myself in my old brain now, I sometimes forget to turn off the recording and I have been known to kind of stop and like leave or shut the computer down and I forgot to stop recording. And depending upon the type of system that you have going on or the type of app that you're using, it may or may not save it by itself. So saving is really important. And I know all of this seems very basic, but it is important for you to do that. So that's a real low tech way for somebody on a Mac. I'm going to look really quickly to see if I've gotten an answer for, no, I have not. I have not gotten an answer for a Windows machine because I wanted to know if there was a program that was along the lines of what I'm doing right now, like with QuickTime for a Mac. Uh, I mean, sorry, for a Windows machine. And I have, I do not know because obviously we all, there's, we all know about Audacity and stuff like that, but that's a scary app for somebody who doesn't know any audio, man. It would suck for everybody. All right. Following up to Karen's questions, I'm interviewing Grandma Jo, Grandma Joy's road trip. Okay. Tomorrow. Okay. And they will be together. Okay. Grandma Joy will be on landline into Zoom record, into Zoom meeting. Brad will be on his cell phone using Zoom app on his phone. What else should I tell them to try to maximize sound quality? No one will have headset, headset and mic. Brad, I assume, will use earbuds. I'm guessing they may need to be in the same room in case Brad needs to help Grandma Joy, but maybe they can be in separate rooms. I said to be in a quiet place, turn off notifications, anything else. So I actually would suggest for them to be in separate rooms, like maybe they can help Grandma as long as he can have her set up. And headphones are actually the most important thing. So that would be whatever that is. However, you can get somebody to use headphones. It would be awesome. Mind you, if they are holding the phone to their ear, that works too. That's fine. Just not on speakerphone. That would be it. I would say that Brad just needs to help grandma get set up and then he needs to go to a separate room the audio quality for him is going to be better if he signs in to Zoom using the Zoom app and using Zoom audio. So it would level up the audio just a little bit more. If anybody calls on the phone, it's still going to sound like a phone call. So that's it. You say my episode downloads have fallen a lot since the fall. I know downloads tend to go down around the holidays, but how long does that last? January is almost over. I don't get too caught up in numbers, but want to see growth and be able to attract sponsors. I am approaching sponsors. Correct. And so one of the things that we just talked about with Jess on She Podcast that's coming out on Friday was an article from ESPN that I found that really, it's really interesting because it starts to talk about, mind you, that they have a sales team that's selling things, right? But one of the interesting things that they're looking for when they green light projects, meaning projects that they want to develop inside of ESPN, though one of the things that they notice the most, in addition to having essentially 
that they can make money off of it. So that's how they move from it. They need to know that they can make money off of it right from the beginning, meaning that there is something they have to sell. The second thing is that they are looking for influence from the person, the host's influence. So one thing that nobody can compete on here, regardless of download numbers, is the influence that you have in the space, which means that if your download numbers are not going up, you can always cultivate the content and the engagement of your platforms and being able to, like, let's say, are you tracking, in addition to tracking downloads, are you tracking your growth on Twitter? Are you tracking your growth on Instagram or any other platform that you're in? Have you seen anything else in there? What is your engagement in those platforms? And I want you to really get clear about being able to see a varied amount of possibilities of growth that isn't just that one data point. Because I know that you're wanting to approach sponsors here, but the reality here is also like Jess and I, whenever we sell sponsorship, we don't sell sponsorship just because of our podcast. We don't do that because we don't have the numbers. We don't have the numbers to sell just our podcast. But we do have assets from everything that we have together. And we leverage the whole story here, the entire ecosystem, as I say in the E-League. The entire way that it all fits together is what we leverage because that's a lot more interesting to somebody. So what I want you to look at is looking at what's happening here. And the other thing is, and I think that I've talked about this before, and it's like that thing of what are the actions that you took and what were the results from the actions that you took? Because a lot of the time we see like you're looking at download numbers and you're seeing them not grow or get smaller. But what were the actions that you were taking to try to act on that? Meaning, were you very specific in the way that you promoted a specific podcast? Did you have a way of promoting that podcast that inspired people to download the show? in its totality. Have you been telling people about everybody's national parks? Meaning, do you have a way of making sure that in every month you have at least three posts that are telling everybody about everybody's national parks, that you're really just reaching out to new audiences that don't know that you have a podcast and that you're teaching them about that podcast. And again, on the show, I can't wait for you guys to listen. It's towards the end because of course we go into all kinds of stuff that has no relevance whatsoever to podcasting at the beginning. But we can't just look at that one data point. You've got to expand it out to see where you're growing and whether or not the actions that you're taking are actually doing something, right? If you're doing the same things over and over and over and over again, and you're not seeing the results, then it's time for you to try to do something different. And part of it is you got to break the molds. You know, where have you shared the podcast that you hadn't shared the podcast before? Had you talked to a few people about podcasting? There's an article and it's called, I don't listen to podcasts, something like that. I'll link it through here as well. It's got some really key insights. So you read it, Danielle, read it. Um, okay. Next thing she says for growth, is it more helpful to, for me to be a guest on other podcasts or for other podcasters to be on my show or both? 
I was a guest on two shows recently. I have invited another podcaster to be on my show. For guests on my show, I'm trying to not stray too far away from my core mission. I have a formula, park series equal trip report, and expert interviews on the park. But growth with this formula is hard and slow because the parks don't share the interview as opposed to interviewing someone who is trying to get visibility.、Mm-hmm. I try to always bring value to my audience with these one-off interviews that will also help me grow. Interestingly enough, we also talk about this in the upcoming podcast in the episode on Friday. So, when it comes to either one of those, they would work. The bottom line is that you need to leverage whatever that is for your growth. So, if you're on somebody else's podcast, it's not up to them. This is from your perspective, okay? So, it's from your perspective to grow your show. It doesn't matter what they do to promote their show. You have to leverage being on that show yourself. How do you promote you being on their show? How do you support people listening to that show? How, in what way, will your audience benefit from you being on that show? Because anything that comes your way from their marketing is going to come your way regardless. They're doing that work. But how do you position it so that it's valuable for you? Same thing in the opposite direction. If you have somebody on your show, and I we mentioned this idea and the podcast with Jess, the episode that's coming up on Friday, that whenever you have somebody in for dinner, right? Like let's say you have somebody that you you want to get to know, and or you feel it's going to be valuable for you to have this conversation with your family, and you ask them over for dinner, and you have them there, and you have an amazing conversation, and there's so much happening, and then as they're leaving, you go to the door, and then you go. Tell everybody you had such a great time over here at my house. Isn't that weird for you to do that? You invite them over to your house and then you ask them to share how great it was for them to have come over for dinner. That just makes no sense, and it feels really weird and awkward. So you just tell them, "Oh my God, it was such a great time." And most podcasters will give you assets and then wave it away, and then you tell everybody, "Oh my God, so and so was over at my house. It was so great. I loved having them here. They're such an amazing person." You guys, and that's when you promote your own show because they came on your show. And one thing that Jess says is to market to their audience, and she goes into it. So you're gonna have to wait until Friday. Oh my god! Is it important to have episode-specific artwork? I have never done this. Is it important? Can you describe how this is done? Obviously, I have a template, but where do you upload this artwork? I use Blueberry, not Libsyn. Maybe I just need to contact Blueberry if you say this is important to do. It has never been top of my to-do list. You don't have to do it. I mean, the reason that I use it is because it's easy for marketing purposes. Like whenever I share an episode of the feed, I change up the episode artwork a bunch of times just because visually it's nice and on social media. Like that's really it. Although, I wish you guys. Oh my gosh, why don't you guys go into Spotify? I'm going to give you homework. Go into Spotify and. Find she podcasts or find the feed, the official Lips and Podcast, and I want you to look at it in the episode. It really does a really lovely, like it really showcases individual artwork really nicely on Spotify. I really, I was very impressed, and I saw it on the iPad app, and on the iPad it looks great, so beautiful. So there are some apps that support episode artwork, and it's really great,、um, but not all apps do. It's not a make or break. It's just an extra bonus feature. If it's too overwhelming for you, forget about it. And the reason that it's easier for me is because I have templates. So every time it's just part of my workflow. Every time I go in there, I just have a template. I change the number, I change the title, and export it out, and I'm done with it. 
So another question, she says, this is a big question, backing up files. What is your process? Holy shit. What is stays on your computer cloud, external hard drive? I listened to the podcast series that talks about all this. All of the stuff is very old. I'm getting a new computer very soon. I need to implement a process. I have had so many tech failures with external hard drives, cloud, because my internet sucks. I hear you, lady. Uh, I won't bore you with all the details, but yeah, I get you. So now I'm just going to go to you and I'm going to look at all the conversation that I see there. I'm seeing Ghost in a Foot on Apple Podcast show notes. Yeah, um, let's not talk about the host and guest photos in the Apple Podcast show notes because that's a whole completely different thing. Um, and that is managed inside of Apple Podcasts. I'm going to see if I can have a link in the in our show notes here for uh, an episode where I covered all of that stuff when it comes to Apple Podcasts. But again, remember, that's Apple Podcasts supports that. Like there are no other platforms that support that. And everything that you need to do for hosts and guests has to happen inside of at the Apple Podcast Connect. In Podcast Connect, you don't do anything from your um, individual host. Okay, tracking, and I'm growing on all those platforms. It's only the downloads that are going down. Am I promoting followers and listeners? Downloads get went down, holidays, but not seeing it go back up. Haha, <laughs> you're welcome. Okay, there we go. All right, so let's go back to your last questions here, Danielle, in terms of backup. So depending upon what your goal is, this is how I would approach it. If at any time you are going to want to repurpose any of the content that you have for something else in the future, whether a special uh, Everybody's National Parks episode or whether you want to create something unique in audio format in the future, then um, you need to back up all of those raw files, meaning, or even just the processed files where you have cleaned them up a little bit, meaning like if you have track one or track two, and you clean those up and they are, you haven't even started to put those together, like I would back those individual files and put them inside of a folder. So generally, I name the folder for the feed, I have TF, just the feed, right? TF and then the number of the episode. And inside of there, I have the GarageBand uh, project. And then I have the processed files in a folder. And then I have audio feedback in another folder. And I have all of that in there. Then I export out the, once I put everything together, right? I export out the AIFF file and I put it in that folder. That folder as of now is on my computer. But once I get to a specific limit in my own head, I grab those files and I put them in an external hard drive. That external hard drive is also cloned. So it means that that external hard drive has a copy. So I have two copies of that external hard drive. Okay. And I use an app called Super Duper for Mac to do that. It's free. It's for Macs. So I have that. I have those things in separate ones. Then... I upload the MP3 to Dropbox. So the MP3 file is on Dropbox. That's where it's like backed up for that. That's what I do. Then once I move things, once I move the large, the feed, you know, 159, and I'm finished, it's been a couple of weeks, I will grab that and put it in the external hard drive and then I will delete it off of the computer. So that's what I do to back up my stuff. The basic and most important things, though, if you get a new computer is if you have a template, if you have a template for your show that you're using, 
you do need to back that up and you need to be able to have that accessible in all the different places that you have. That is the most important thing that you need for sure everywhere. So the template of whatever the project is and whatever you recreate over and over again for your show needs to be accessible and backed up to the cloud. I would say, you know, both on documents inside of iCloud and like at something like Dropbox. Then you also need to have assets that you need for all of your episodes, maybe like music beds, bumpers, things like that. Those also need to be accessible in all of the different places because those are things that you're going to be using over and over and over again. Those are the things that I feel like would be the ones that would get the messed up the most. Audio feedback. So audio feedback is when people send us feedback, audio feedback. <laughs> and they're like, hey, Robin Elsie, like we get so much audio feedback for the feed. So I have to download it and put it all in one file and I manage it all there. Like the promos for the show and audio feedback, any questions that people ask uh, is usually sent via audio and I just play it that way. Now, the reason that I'm using StreamYard is just because I think I really want to keep moving away from Facebook. I really don't like Facebook. I think I've said that many, many different times. So any product that takes me away from Facebook, I love. And I think what's really cool about StreamYard at this moment is that you can stream it in a lot of different places at the same time. And I kind of dig that. I also like the fact that you're able to record and you can download. And the other things is that I can actually have people come on. If you guys wanted to, I think I can put you on, I think. And then we can be side by side and then I can show you my screen and I can do all of those different things from StreamYard and it makes it kind of exciting for me. If I ever needed to show you something on the computer, I can very easily do that or, you know, have guests and things like that. Um, and I can switch cameras like there's all of this extra stuff. But essentially, it's because I don't want to be on Facebook. Mind you, I'm using the free account. I'm not paying for it. So when you're using the free account, I think that you can stream like, I don't know how many hours, but it's not recording this. Whereas StreamYard paid account, you can record and go live. Or, which is what Jess and I and John do, is that we go on StreamYard and we record, but we don't go live. So that's the backup. John has that as the backup, but then we also send him our audio. And so he puts that audio together, but he also has the backup from StreamYard where you get the opportunity to not only get the audio, but you also get the video. So if you're doing extra things like showing things or doing screencast or having something that you can see, then it's quite good. I found it to be kind of nice to use um, I particularly like the whole ability to show my screen and to bring people's questions like here like this. Watch this. See how I just put you on the screen there, Miss Danielle? Facebook now has integrated more with Instagram so you can reply to comments on your desktop and create new posts, et cetera, and get insights from Facebook. I hate FB, but just use the FB tools. Yeah, I totally understand. Like now, see, now I don't even know how to take this off. I'm just going to, how do I take that off? Hide. Is that it? Oh, yeah. Look at that. See? So that's some neat things that um, that I like to put on there. And then Bonnie says, StreamYard has paid attention to the sound because of feedback from podcasters and sound engineers. So these are little things that StreamYard does that are helpful. And as you can see that their functionality of being able to bring the live experience and make it nicer and have a little bit more of a community feel is great, right? The only thing is that, oh, you're back. Look at that. 
so yeah, and especially when you have your names on there and it just facilitates conversation and you can also manage um, chats from a lot of different places. And then, yeah, thinking of moving to StreamYard too, been using Ecamm, but I also like the idea of recording and streaming convos, not using Zoom, et cetera. Yeah, but you also have to think about what you're doing and how much bandwidth you have and what the goal is, right? Because like with Rob and I, like when we record the feed, it's such a long process and it's just so much easier for me to be on Skype and record via Ecamm than it is to record like this. It's a little bit harder for me to do it like in this way. It's really helpful for She Podcast because Jess and I can see each other and that's also really neat. And I do believe that there's a private chat here too and they have banners, like you can put banners on this. So it's really, really made for the visual consumption thing. But if you're not going to be having people show up live, like I'm not discounting the fact that there's quite, there's a handful of you guys here watching me, but there's a lot of people who might listen to this later maybe or and it doesn't matter where it is and they could just listen so the visual component is what's nice if you show it so anywho i think that i answered all your questions miss danielle i love how you like filled up everything i hope that was helpful and i look forward to uh, chatting with you guys oh let me see we let, let, let's so would i want to use Streamyard to record audio only remote interviews instead of zoom or skype with ecam you could it depends on who you're recording with you can test it out with some people i'd um be slightly wary because it would be like an up level for whoever's on the other end to understand what's going on i do believe that you don't have to only come video i think you could do audio only as well, although I'm not quite all versed into all this stuff. But I got to say, there's all of these different ways that you can use this. And also in terms of uh, doing a special something that maybe you want to do for your audience, recording via StreamYard would be great because you can show things and all kinds of stuff. So thank you, everybody, for your time today. I hope that today was helpful. And I'm going to go bye-bye. And I'm going to put all the stuff up on Facebook in the description so that you guys can have reference back to all of the stuff. If I forgot stuff, please let me know because my brain is so tired right now that I don't know what I said that I was going to put up there. My notes are definitely going up there right away. Bye. See you next in a couple weeks. That is all for now. I hope you enjoy today's episode of She Podcast and we will see you next week. And again, so sad and sorry. Also, don't tell Elsie, but this week is her birthday. And if you wouldn't mind just sending her a tweet at the Elsie Escobar, wish her a very happy birthday. I don't remember how old she is. I only know she's about three years older than me. And that's what matters. Thank you guys so much. Love you. Mean it. <laughs>